Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. And this week we have Jeanette Seha. Jeanette is a travel journalist, TV host, global public speaker. She's like always somewhere, like never in the same place very long. So welcome, Jeanette. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be on your amazing show. I'm a huge fan and I love what you're doing. I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's a beautiful weekend in sunny California. So it's a great I know day. we were just talking about how nice it is <laughs> to like finally see the sun, get some vitamin D. Now you're off to, you're going to be off to New York pretty soon where it's not going to be like this. So I you don't appreciate it. <laughs> yes. I'm going to enjoy the sun and, and the beach today and then start packing literally for the cold, <laughs> for oh expect gosh. the cold weather. Yeah. You know, I, when I lived in Texas, it doesn't snow a lot, but it does snow. It gets cold. And so I did have coats and stuff like that. And then when I moved back home to San Diego, I was like, Psh, I got rid of everything. Cause I was like, I'm never going to wear these again. And I failed to think, well, sometimes I travel. And if I travel during winter time, it's going to be cold. And I haven't lately dropped. Well, the most recent travel was to Napa in December, first week of December. And it was freezing. Like one of the nights it got into the twenties. Like wow. One day it was like, yeah, it was so cold. So I had to go buy a pea coat before I left. And wow. yeah. And I was just like, you know what? I can't get rid of this. I need to be prepared because if I do decide to travel somewhere that would be cold during like New York is so magical during the, during the holidays. I really want to go back, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas and see all of the, like, it's just so magical. Yes. And that's, and it'll about, be cold as hell, <laughs> or yeah. cold as hell but you know, <laughs> it will, I'm, I'm expecting super cold weather. And so definitely anticipating that uh, when I was in New York last year, same time, I go for a, a, a travel conference at the same time every year. Uh, there was one of the blizzards. And so literally my flight got canceled. I was stuck in the hotel. So what do you do when you don't know when you're going to leave? You just walk to Central Park and like build a snowman. And people were out there with their sleighs, with their skis and, you know, people just making the best of the situation. Yeah. Um, so that, that was fun. But that's the thing that I love about travel is I always say you never know. So keep your winter gear, keep your coats because you never know because 
there are some destinations like France, for example, I was there last month where it's low season. So winter is low season, which also means that the prices are down because, you know, the high season may be in the summertime, right? Girl, we'll um, get into this. Yes. I can't wait. Cause yeah. I get into it too much because okay, okay, okay. my wheels are turning. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so let me read your bio. Then we'll talk, we'll get into the wine and the cheese, man. Mm-hmm. Janessa is an award-winning bilingual travel journalist, television host, and global public speaker. As an on-air travel expert, she has appeared on BBC World News, ABC7 Los Angeles, WTTW Chicago, Fox 11 Los Angeles, Mexico Travel Channel, Good Day Austin, KUSI News, and other media outlets worldwide. While Belmont, Jeanette interned at Fox News Chicago, WTVF CBS in Nashville and the Tennessean newspaper and completed the Chips Quinn Scholar Program for Diversity in Journalism. A respected and sought after host, Jeanette has been the master of ceremony, MC, and moderator at many international events, including the Global Tourism Forum in Turkey, the New York Travel Festival, the Changemakers Awards, the Global Voice Awards, the Latinas in Aviation Global Festival, and the Impact Travel Immersion Global Conference. In 2018, Jeanette was the official travel host for the World Women's Summit on the Clinton Presidential Center. The following year, she was recognized as one of the top 20 global women of excellence by U.S. Congressman Danny K. Davis and the Multi-Ethnic Advisory Tax Force at the 7th Annual International Women's Day Celebration. Real life girl. In 2022, she received the Latino Joven de Impacto Mundial Award from Lider Gladiator, a conference in Dallas, Texas. Also, Jeanette was honored as a top 40 under 40 honoree by Aldia News in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Like, that's a lot, girl. That's <laughs> a lot. Like you, yeah. It's, it's Before we get into the cheese, man, because there's so much and you have yeah. so much on your website, girl. I was like all up on your website going, <laughs> let me see what's going on. Are you drinking wine today? I will later. Yes, I will be drinking later. I have some I have some prosecco actually in the ah, back, okay. so I'm cooling prosecco it. Yeah, it's a good day wine, you know. Prosecco, yeah. anything sparkling and bubbling. Yes. So I am finishing. Girl, I was so bad. Like I got this um, advent calendar from Costco, and it's like a different wine every day. And sometimes I couldn't drink the wine, so I am still catching up with that. <laughs> this is a wine from Portugal. It's called El Campeón. And it's a Fernão Pires Branco Arinto from Portugal. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I had to look it up because I was like, I've never heard of this. I don't know what I'm drinking. What is it? So it's a blend. These are the two most widely used vine grape varieties in Portugal, found in the vineyards along the length of the country. It says they are most commonly found as a pair in the vineyards of Ribatejo and Alentejo, Although Arinto is found around Lisbon and in the north, where it's known as Pederna. So it's planted widely in the south of the country. And it's so it it says like good food pairings for this would be grilled red, gunard. I don't know what the hell gunard is. Do you know what that is? A cheese, maybe a cheese. Maybe. Well, it's like grilled red gunard. Hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, Peri peri prawns and chicken with green salad. That I know. Part prawns and chicken salad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know that too. Maybe maybe it's like a fish or something. I, I might have to look that up too. <laughs> so this is like here is the beauty. I think sometimes of wine and I'm and I'm sure in your travels you've come across this and everything is 
we feel like we, okay, these are the wines that we know we, we hear of daily or whatever. And then you come across something that you're like, what is that? (laughs) Never heard of that. And that's kind of the coolest thing with things that you like. Like for me, it's wine. I do like trying new things, hearing things I've never heard about. In this case, I've never heard of this type of wine. (laughs) I would never go seeking out this type of wine because I don't know about it. So to be exposed to something new, which I'm sure is something you deal with on the daily when every time you travel, have you had like that kind of thing when you go out? Do you drink wine when you go to other countries? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I sometimes, (laughs) if I'm going to do an international flight, I mean, sometimes I will also drink like on the flight, maybe I'll drink a glass of uh, like red wine. True story. uh, Years ago, I was flying to India. So I connected from LAX to San Francisco. SFO had a direct flight to New Delhi, which I believe was like 14, 15 hours from SFO, uh, San Francisco airport. And I remember halfway through the flight, it was like six, seven, almost eight hours in, I was not able to sleep anymore because I mean, that's granted. It's like a full night's sleep. Yeah. And I was staying awake, watching movies, you know, trying to, you know, make the time go by fast and I couldn't. And I asked a flight attendant, I was like, do you have anything that you can take so I can fall asleep? She's like, no, we're not allowed to give anything, but I know something else that might help you with sleep. And she came back with a little bottle of red wine, like a personal size red bottle wine. And I drank it and I'm not, I'm not, (laughs) except when I'm smaller. Yes. And I'm not like giving any kind of medical advice. I'm I'm just saying like she said that might help and it did. It really helped me the red wine within like 30 minutes. I was watching a movie and I was already, I was, I was knocked out. So I will say that, you know, on flights I have drank, you know, wine along with my meal, but also in case I'm sleepy, I kind of like, okay, this might help me fall asleep, Uh, especially red wine. (laughs) Salud. Let me try this out. Salud. Sounds amazing. It smells really, it doesn't smell super fruit forward. It smells kind of, but it does smell a little bit like stone fruit, like, but not peach, something else, something less, like not as um, fruity as peach. And it kind of smells like minerally. What is that? I know that at the end, it does have like this peachy, but it's something different. And I can't, Where's my little thing? I'm going to have to find it. And I, I, it's like, I know it's at the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> ne- yeah. Nectar, nectar. Like quite no, guava. I'm going to have to look at my little, my little, uh, round thing that yeah. shares all the things to yeah. trigger that memory, <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. Let me take another taste. Let's see. That sounds amazing. And while you're drinking it, you know, like you mentioned, it's from Portugal. That is, that is a, um, a country that I have yet to visit that I really want to visit. Like that's yeah. on my bucket list for sure. That is one of the two countries that my parents have visited outside of Mexico. Oh. Um, they have visited Portugal and Italy, but I've never been to Europe. Well, let's start from the beginning because okay. we could just jump into all of the things. <laughs> yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, because that's what we do. You know, that's the one thing I'm kind of like, oh, let's do this. Let's do that. We, you know, we jump all over the place here. You are Mexican-American. What part of the country did you grow up in? And was travel really something that was part of your life growing mm-hmm. up with your family? Yeah, that's the great question. 
So my background is Mexican. My father was from Michoacan and my mother is from Mexico City. So she's from, you know, a city girl. My father, he was, you know, small village in Michoacan. It's such a small village that I don't think you really find it on a map. Like it's so small, but it's beautiful once you get there. Yeah, they met in his village. My mom went with her brother to a festival and they met and, you know, fell in love and, I'm laughing because I was talking to my friend and like in so many of these instances, the parents meet at a party, meet at a dance, meet at, so I'm, that's why I started laughing (laughs) because I was actually talking about it with somebody yesterday about that. No, I'd always ask my parents, I'd always ask them, you know, where did you meet? And they said, you know, this small town festival and they rode the, what is that? The, the Ferris wheel and it got stuck. And they were stuck on the Ferris wheel and they like really had to just get to know each other while they got unstuck. But yeah, so they moved to California in the eighties and that's where I was born. I was born in Orange County. And, you know, um, ever since I can remember, I was a baby, they had got my passport. And so we had gone to Mexico city about once a year to visit my mom's family. By that point, a lot of my dad's family had already moved to the States. So yes. So travel was always integrated into my life. At least once a year, we'd go to Mexico. And then as I got older, like middle school, high school, my parents would let us stay with my grandparents in Mexico city in the summer. So we really got immersed into the culture there and and the language and our grandparents would have us help around the house like so I'd learn my grandma's recipes or you know my grandfather would take us to the mercado or you know they also had a little townhouse by a volcano which was like two hours away so it was a really great experience and it showed me that this world was bigger than I thought (laughs) So yeah. I really liked growing up with that. And it also helped me with the language with, you know, you know, learning more about our, our history and our ancestors. So you grew up in Orange County. I, my parents live in Orange County now. They've lived there for a long time. You know, Orange County is very known for being a very red area, a very not necessarily. And I wouldn't say it's not diverse, but the diversity is not really celebrated in particular parts of Orange County. So growing up, did you ever feel the impact of that? Like what part of, did you grow up in, or did you ever feel the impact? Like, obviously if you go to someplace like Santa Ana, then you're going to see the diversity you're going to see, but you go to someplace like Irvine or Laguna Beach, you might not see that same diversity. So what was your experience growing up like in the area? Yeah. So I was born in, in the city orange. So old town orange. So That was, I guess, where I first was born. But my grandmother, my grandfather, my dad's side lived in Santa Ana. So having that Santa Ana orange, I was around a lot of Latinos. So for me, it was, you know, very common. I felt, you know, diverse in that sense. And then we eventually moved. I think we did move around um, from uh, Orange to Santa Ana to Irvine. Yeah, I, I don't know. I for me, and this is just in general, and I think this is why travel is so great, even at a young age, like going to Mexico, for example, since I was literally a baby. 
I just always felt like a global citizen. I always felt like, you know, regardless, you know, whoever I met, I always felt like I can learn from someone. Everyone has a story. So for me, it was like, I look at everyone like amazing. I'm just like, what's your story? What's your story? Where, you know, because sometimes you think something and they're like, no, I'm from, I don't know, Argentina, Uruguay, somewhere, you know, and it's just really interesting. So I never really, I don't know, I guess I never really thought about it. Um, in that way. But I think as the more I travel, the more I realize, like, and that's something I, the more I travel, the more I realize how much I don't know. Yeah. I, I have always said like, that's my goal is to be a citizen of the world. Um, because, you know, I've gone to the Bahamas, I've gone to the Virgin Islands, I've gone to Mexico, but that's kind of, oh, and I've gone to Costa Rica but that's kind of it, right? I, I feel like there's so much more and every place you go is very, even within the United States, it's very, very different, right? Because regionally we have these different things that are part of the culture, the region, you know, the regional food, the regional talk, they're, you know, the way all of those things. And I think the more you experience, the more I feel like you become an empathetic person because not everybody lives the way you live. Outside, when was that point when you're in, you know, you you go between the States and Mexico City and what was the point where you're like, you know what, I want to explore even more. Like, I love this, but this is not enough. I need to be a global citizen. Yeah, that's another amazing question. I feel like for me, it was watching TV after school. So I'd watch History Channel. I'd watch the Discovery Channel. I'd watch um, all these shows that would show me the world through different lens, through different hosts, through, you know, different channels. That was besides the news, because I feel like the news is really important, but through the news, we'll only hear the negative stuff. And that goes for local news, like it goes for all news, right? So I like to see what else, because when I travel to Mexico City, for example, I would say, but it's so beautiful. There's so much culture. There's so much history. There's so much beauty. So I want to learn more about that. I want that side of travel. And so that's when I really, as a young girl, I was fascinated with the Egyptians and ancient civilizations. And then with my, my family on my mom's side, learning about, you know, our ancestry and how maybe we have Aztec in our ancestry and just going like deeper and being like, this is so amazing. So ever since I was a young girl, I feel like I was a sponge. I just want to learn more and more about the world. So TV, pre-social media, pre-probably internet, of course, at that time was a great platform and a medium to get that information and books. Of course, I love reading. I'm an avid reader, always been. And so I think that is when I really started to develop a deep interest and respect for the world. Just that, again, I'm, I'm a student. I want to learn. There's so much to learn about this world. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese man. Given the purchasing power of the Latinx community, let me just tell you, mi gente, we are no longer a sleeping giant. And your dollar, our dollar, is powerful no matter where you go. That's why I'm excited to share that in conjunction with Cadena Collective, we have launched a pozole and wine pairing guide. You might think, what? That's interesting. Or what? That's weird. Or what? Heck no, no way. But you know what? We all like to enjoy different things. This 
truly only featured Latino-owned wine brands, have worked really, really hard to provide wines that go with so many of our foods. So if you've even considered trying tamales and wine, or you've even considered trying pozole and wine, head over to the wineandchismepodcast.com, click on media, and there you will find the various resources to pair your wine. What was the first country you visited outside of Mexico? That's a good question. First country. <laughs> um, I would say I was, I was a summer, uh, summer. I was about, I think 14, 15 years old. And my grandmother, my mom's side, um, she was diabetic and she was going to have to have dialysis, which at that time was, it wasn't as developed as it is now. And they were going to have to put a tube outside of her uh, kidney and she would have to like stay in a place. And so she basically knew that she wouldn't be able to travel much. And so my mom said, you know, what is one place you want to go see in the world? You know, she goes the Vatican because she was super Catholic. And my mom said, okay, I'm going to make this happen. I'm, so my mom worked, you know, so, like by that time my parents were divorced. My mom was working like 60 hours overtime, doing as much as she could to save. And, you know, it's, I saw her determination and she found a travel agent and she said, here's my budget. I just want to get my mom and my kids to the Vatican and just please figure it out for me. And, and that's what happened. So that, that, that was, I think my first trip outside of Mexico. And I'll never forget my grandmother's uh, reaction when the little tour bus was in front of the Vatican and we got to go off. She got on her knees, got her rosary out, started crying and just like thanking God. And it was just, it was Aww. a beautiful moment always stays with me because it was her dream come true, you know, being at the Vatican and, and it's such a beautiful gift. And that's why I think travel, it's so much more than just leisure travel, like sitting on a beach, like to some people, that's great. And some people, you know, it's not fulfilling it, it, to each their own. But for me, I see travel as such a gift because those are memories that stayed with her until she passed. I mean, she, 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 you know, when she went back to Mexico, she would talk about it for like next year and then she passed away. And my mom would always say, that's the best gift I've ever given. That was the best investment because it made her so happy. She was healthy enough to go at the time before she would have the dialysis. And, you know, for me as, as you know, a young girl, seeing the impact of travel and, and family and then seeing the Vatican and seeing Italy, I was like, oh my gosh, because there's nothing that video or photo can encompass than being there in person. It's yeah. just, you know, once you you're never in person, forget it's that just feeling. Like, you're never going to forget that feeling. And that's something you can never get on video or, or a photo as well as how you felt when you saw yes. your grandma getting yes. on her knees and yes. crying for being so grateful to be where she wanted to be. Yeah. And we were crying too, just tears of joy for her, you know, and I think that's why it's such a beautiful gift or to be able to travel with someone. And it doesn't have to be far. It can be near. I was, I was having a conversation earlier today is, you know, the moment we walk outside of our front doors, we're essentially travelers because, you know, we may go the same route to work. We may go the same route to the grocery store, but we never know who we're going to meet. Um, so we can, you know, meet people that are traveling wherever we are or vice versa. So I essentially think travel is, is so much more and such a beautiful, you know, such a beautiful thing. That's why I advocate so much because I really feel travel 
it has a way to unite us rather than divide us. Because if we can go to each other's, you know, have more understanding, see for ourselves, connect with the locals, hopefully we'll be more united than divided. I mean, that's my hope at least. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, so many people just stay in their own bubbles. And I think this goes with so many, like we form how we interact with people based on our perception. And people tend to fear what they don't know. If people have never met somebody of another ethnicity and they only hear, like you were talking about the news, how it's always so negative and everything, and they only hear or they're around people and and they're, all they're hearing is the negative about a certain group of people, then they're going to be afraid to be around that group of people. And they're going to have a perception of these this group of people is bad or you know people that do this are bad and they've never had any experience. They're just hearing it because they've been so sheltered in their, in their own bubbles. So I feel like when you're, you travel, it makes you so much more empathetic, so much more grateful, I think, for what we have here in the States, even though like, let's not lie, we're still a fucked up country. (laughs) But we do still have a lot to offer. And I think that we need, we don't tend to take advantage of those things and really and when we go to finally are able to go to places, other places, and I would love for you to touch on this, you know, I think there's that whole perception of stupid Americans when you travel outside into other countries or maybe not stupid or that we're obnoxious or that, you know, people that travel. And I know it's not everybody, right? But it comes from a place of experience of people experiencing Americans visiting their country and not wanting to experience the culture and expecting other people to conform to us instead of us conforming to the places that we're visiting. So what do you say or how do you tell people or how do you share with people? Like when you're going to another country, like you need to immerse yourself or you need to adjust to the culture and not have people adjust to you. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, you know, question. And it, it really, you know, in just generally speaking, hard to put, you know, one kind of traveler or Americans in one box. I mean, I, I think for me, um, when I've been traveling, when I've met Americans, um, I've lived in Italy. I did a study abroad in Sicily, great wine, by the way, in Sicily. <laughs> and I've lived in Australia, also great, also great wine, by the way, yeah. <laughs> Australia, went abroad and or studied abroad. I've met Americans and I've been, I've been, you know, I guess I've been um, very happy with the Americans that I met abroad because I think for the most part, generally speaking, Americans who get their passport, you know, take the time to go to a different country, usually have an open mind, you know, but everyone, even here in the States, you know, everyone has their own behavior. And I think every individual is responsible for how they treat people, regardless where they're from. I think that, you know, I mean, you probably see it here in California. I mean, I just think whether you're American or not, I think when you go abroad, you know, research the the country, the culture, and like try to learn at least some basic phrases, you know, like, hello, please, thank you. Uh, you know, something of that, you know, sort. And nowadays, you know, we have apps that help you translate. We have, you know, books and and guidebooks and all these, you know, tools to help you kind of, you know, get around the country more. 
it's way better than back in the day where it was, we didn't have all this technology. Um, so I think just in general, like everyone who goes somewhere, um, just being mindful and respectful and patient because, you know, yeah, if you go, like, I'll give you an example. I went to Japan years ago and, um, this was a, an amazing experience because outside the airport and the hotel, no one spoke English <laughs> and that's okay. Like it just forces you to, you know, get a little translation book or just say, you know, the basics and just yeah. try, you know, to get around. I can introduce um, myself in Japanese. Love- <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. We grew yeah, up having I exchange just- students. That's why we had Japanese exchange students growing up. Growing up. We had a French exchange student and a German exchange student and a Brazilian exchange student, but she was like, whatever. But so we had the opportunity in our house to have people from other cultures stay with us and they learned about our culture and we got to learn about their culture. Yeah, it was super cool. Yeah, see, and I love that. So there's so many different ways to meet people from all over the world. But I think just a general, you know, I think, um, yeah, I think we, when we go outside of our, you know, bubble or comfort zone or, or, you know, country, just, you know, to make an extra effort to at least the basics, hello, goodbye, thank you, please, you know, um, or I don't understand. And it goes a long way, right? So I think they appreciate the effort right? The effort. And, you know, you are visiting, you know, different countries. So of course, everyone's going to feel, you know, maybe a little like you don't know everything and that's okay. Now I think like technology is, you know, provided more ways to, to translate or to help you. There's guides, there's, you know, a lot more at our disposal now for traveling. Yeah. So I want to know when you decided to go to school, when you go, when you decide to, after high school, you go to college and you decide at some point, I'm going to be part of the school of journalism. Did you already know that you wanted to be a travel journalist Mm -hmm. when you went to journalism school? Oh, I knew way before that. I knew when I would go to Mexico city for the summers since I was a young girl, I would start to take, you know, like nine, 10, 11 years old, I would start to take a journal with me because I'd write a lot of things down and sometimes I wouldn't remember. So then I started to bring a little notebook and a little pen, and then I would bring disposable cameras with me. And that's what I brought to Europe when I went with my grandmother to the Vatican, for example, we, I'd bring a little journal and I brought a disposable camera and I would just note, take everything I saw, what I did, et cetera. So I was doing that since a young age. I didn't know it was travel journalism at the time. I just knew like, this is so amazing. I need to share this with the world or whoever, you know, and then, yeah. I'd, come, and then I'd come back and I would, you know, develop the photos and tape them on my little journal and just have all these travel journals. Um, so yeah, so from a very young age, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I didn't know how, but I knew the why, because I knew that hopefully with, you know, my travels, it can inspire someone to travel, they can learn something. So it was always something bigger than myself. I knew there was something more to this than just me traveling. And then growing up, you know, we'd watch Oprah and then we watched Christina, <laughs> um, who is like, you know, was our 
oh, rest on Univision for the longest time. And I really like how they would interview and how they would, you know, talk to, you know, women and share stories. And then I changed the channel. And then, like I mentioned before, I'd see the history channel, the travel channel, the discovery channel. And then I would learn about the world that way. And so for me, I'm a very visual person. So I like video. I like feeling like I'm being transported to this place. Um, some of my favorite hosts, travel hosts growing up were the late Bourdain, Samantha Brown, who was on the Travel Channel for the longest time. Yeah, um, I remember. Yeah, who's still doing travel shows, by the way, now. She's married with kids and she's amazing. Such a nice woman. And then I don't know if you remember this, but Sofia Vergara, was a co-host of a travel show in Spanish, but, and I would watch her and she's, I mean, Sofia Vergara, Sofia Vergara, she's gorgeous, you know, always been. And sometimes she would be like showing you the world, but she'd be like in a bikini and I'd be like, okay, you know, the expectation of me ever showing in a bikini are zero. Yeah. Yeah, That's (laughs) definitely not happy, but at least in a way she showed me along with Samantha Brown, that women, there were women in this space you know, in the space. So I kind of put a lot of those seeds together when I went to high school, again, wanting to do more, like all these role models that I had that were on TV, for example, that would show me the world, would show the news, would show interviews, really helped me when I went to college. I went to college in Nashville, Belmont University, and former dean at the time, he was also an editor travel editor for a newspaper, statewide newspaper. So there's so many things that it were was showing meant me to be, it was like super aligned <laughs> for you, girl. Yeah. Let me ask a question in regards to that. Like, because yeah, obviously when you, I watched the, I love the history channel, except it's not the same as it used to be. Like there's these like random shows. I don't give a crap about those shows. Like give me history documentaries and I will be sucked in all day. But then beyond that, you you were saying, you know, you were watching Sofia Vergara, you're watching Samantha Brown. I used to love watching Samantha Brown. Mm-hmm. Remember she had that show where you she could only spend a certain amount every yes. day. And I love that, you know, there was women out there, but being a Latina woman and, and Sofia Vergara is not a journalist, right? She was a mm-hmm. host and propelled her into everything else that she did now. What did you feel being a Latina that you could bring to this industry that you felt like nothing, because I feel like there's always something like we can do something that so nobody can do. Right. Mm-hmm. So what was it that you felt you're watching these things and you're like, that's awesome. There's women. I want to do this. And yeah. then there has to be another layer to that. Right. So what was that other layer for you? Yeah. Well, the, the layer was really not seen enough women or enough Latinas or Latinos in this space. So that, that propelled me to want to do something about it. Right. For me, it was like trying to figure out how, but I think more important than the how, and I have, now I have mentees, I'm a mentor. And so I have mentees that my way to give back to students, I want to help like college students, you know, is First, knowing your why. Why will set you apart from everything else? Because I think, you know, even with travel and everything, there's so many, you know, perceptions of travel. Like, oh, it's just leisure. No, there's so much to travel than just leisure travel. You know, there's business travel, there's community travel, there's sustainability, there's so many layers to travel. 
I think for me, it was, okay, I know my why. My why is because I didn't really feel seen in many ways. I didn't see myself in a lot of these spaces, especially as a host. I didn't see a lot of hosts. And if it was a host in a bikini, I already felt, you know, self-conscious, you know, growing and growing up. And, and I'm, oh, it was just like, to me, I was like, okay, there has to be more. And I didn't see it as I, maybe it was out there, but I didn't see it growing up. So my why was to, to do something about it. My why was to make space, was to, you know, break a glass ceiling, was to make an impact so that more future generations, like now I have three young nieces, they can see themselves in this space, for example, right? So I knew my why, I just didn't know the how. And this is a time before social media, before a lot of this, you know, now that we have so much at our fingertips, which is great. We have this tool. So for me, it was really starting from, you know, from scratch saying, okay, writing is always going to be an amazing skill. That's why I continued with journalism. All the internships I did, whether it was TV news, helped me understand from beginning to end how broadcast works, how interviewing works. I also continued to go to travel conferences from LA Times used to have a travel conference. New York Times used to have a travel conference before the pandemic. And so I would go, I would attend these travel conferences. I would pay for my own ticket. I would invest the time to sit in the different sessions in the panels, meet, you know, the industry experts. And basically, like I said, just start from the bottom up and be like, I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. And just that mentality, I think is where, where, you know, over the years helped me to understand more about travel and tourism and industry. And then combining that with the, the, the broadcasting experience that I had. And, and we're talking about over 10, 15 year period, you know, right. and then on top of that, working and reinvesting my money and time into hosting classes, into Toastmasters for public speaking, reinvesting a lot of my, you know, myself into keep learning, always a student, always can progress, always can learn, never feeling like I had it all figured out, never feeling like I knew it all, always learning. And I think that's what, you know, for me has really helped me because I'm very versatile, I have a lot of experience and I understand a lot about like from hosting class, you know, one of my professors would say in Hollywood, cause I would take it in Santa Monica. She'd say in Hollywood, there's a saying that eight years of hard work is an overnight success. So sometimes you hear these stories about actors and musicians and they're here, they're everywhere. They're all over, you know, like overnight success. But then when you hear their stories and their journeys, you hear about years and years and years of hard, just going, you know, to auditions or, or, or gigs, you know, and rejection. And that's why the why is so important. Cause if your why is way bigger than you, you will keep going. You will keep going even when it yeah. gets tough. And that is why I say, what is your why? And Simon Sinek has a great Ted talk about your why he even has a book about it. It really goes to why do you want to do what you do? And for me, it, it's so embedded in me. It's so heartfelt, so big, but I can't imagine doing anything else. And it doesn't matter. I've turned down some offers in the past and I'm like, I got to do this. I have to do this. So it's really purposeful for me. It's really important. I want to leave 
an impact and I want to leave this world better when I go. So I want to do as much as I can, especially as a woman, as a Latina in this space, if I can do something. Yeah. No, you can totally hear the passion. In your voice. <laughs> you can totally hear that this is like much bigger for you than just travel. And I love that. I keep saying, oh, I need to do this. And it's really one of those things where I'm just like, Okay. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people asking, okay, that's great. You probably get paid for this. I don't get paid for this and I don't have a lot of money and I don't have, like, what are those things? Like one of the things you're talking about is France right now being downtime. So what are the things that people should look for if they do want to travel? They don't know how to get started. They don't want to spend an exorbitant amount of money because they don't have it. Like there's so many people that just don't, they want to, but they just don't have access to what they think they should in regards to travel. Yeah. I think for me, something is with travel. Again, I'll say it's a mindset. So you can go within your own city, maybe a three hour drive from where you live. There's a lot of parks like national parks that allow for example residents of the state like california residents they'll have a day maybe or mlk martin luther king day there was a list of national parks that had free entrance um so there's a lot of different it's just kind of thinking outside of the box another example if you live on a coastline let's say like in California, you know, the beaches are free. You can go have a picnic. You can go hiking. You can do a lot of activities that are travel related that you don't have to necessarily get on a bus or a train or an airplane, you know, et cetera. It's really your mindset. It's it, starting there, right? So here in California, in Southern and Northern, we have so many gems around us that are, are available to us. We can even walk to some of them. So I would say if you're, if you have a budget and a time constraint, let's say you have one day or two days, look within your city or maybe within like a two, three hour drive. What can we do for the day? We can drive to, I don't know, there's the Sequoia National Park, right? I went there for the first time in maybe 15, 20 years this year. It's a couple hours drive. If you want to go with a group or with a partner um, or just uh, some friends, maybe you can all pitch in for an Airbnb or you can pitch in for a hotel. You can carpool or maybe you want to do a train. Go take the train from, you know, LA, San Diego, San Diego to San Francisco. Um, There's so many different ways. It's just about what you want to do. And for people who want to travel outside maybe it's even outside the States, right? I think that's the thing what people really think about when they're like, I've never been to, like me, I'm using myself as an example because I'm like, I've never been to Europe. You know, I feel like I'm trying to do 50 million things at once and I can write this shit off. It's for work. (laughs) If I go for my stuff. Yeah. But I'm not counting that. What are some like areas that people could probably research and, and be able to, go fairly reasonably like, okay, it's not going to cost me $10,000 to go for a week for this place. Like what are some of those, like, what are the things that people should look for timing and even places? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you want to go out of state or, you know, out of the country, there's definitely destinations that are high seasons, which means like peak time where visitor 
you know, visitors is at an all time high. So of course, maybe the hotels and the airfares will be uh, priced higher as is this also goes for holiday travel. If you want to ho- travel around the holidays, you, you know, for sure, like you'll see Thanksgiving, Christmas time, because the demand is so high, they can maybe hike up the prices more. So low season is maybe, for example, I'll share with you again, like France, right? I was in France last month. Usually France is, you know, very popular destination, no matter, you know, what time, but December, because it's winter and it is colder, it's usually a low season. So I was in Paris and I was in the South of France. There were apartments on VRBO or Airbnb, for example, or hotels, but more likely Airbnb and VRBO, which is what I did um, for $45 a night. And I couldn't probably get an apartment for one week, you know, like under $300, $400, like in a one bedroom apartment, like really nice. Airfare may vary, but it, you know, it's just, it's just where you want to go. So cheap. Yeah. And also look at, you know, look at, for example, Southwest now goes to Hawaii, right? Maybe for example, look at airlines with their routes, you know, their, their different routes. And sometimes you'd be surprised flying domestically is just as expensive as flying internationally. I mean, so it's not always just about domestic, maybe less you know, expensive. That's not always the case. I mean, I know people who travel domestically and spend six, $700 on a round trip ticket. And you could probably get that from here to, I mean, I don't know, it just depends where you yeah. go, but it, you can probably get a good airfare. It's just about timing. Um, so it depends when you want to go. And if you yeah. go during the holiday seasons, just expect higher prices, but not always the case, but it's, it's more than likely. You travel a lot by yourself. Yeah. What are some of the keys in regards to people traveling by themselves? Because I think a lot of times people are fearful Mm -hmm. to travel by themselves. They're like, what if something happens or what if I get pickpocketed or what, you know, like, I feel like we always go to the worst case scenario, right? So what are some keys for people if they are traveling, particularly if they're a woman, And when they're traveling out of the country or even just even out of the state, because that doesn't mean like if they're just traveling by themselves. Yeah, that's a great question. I think for men and women, you know, if you're by yourself, I mean, just to be vigilant, vigilant where you're traveling. For example, a lot of um, people's post where they're at, when they're at the place. I don't do that. I don't recommend that either. Um, because whatever you post on social is maybe public and just, you just don't know. I mean, you hope for the best, but you don't know who is out there, who's watching your stuff. And so I would say, you know, um, maybe post after, or maybe a day or two after, um, I, I don't know. It's just a suggestion. As far as for women, as I I travel a lot by myself, I always stay vigilant wherever I go. And I never tell anyone I'm traveling alone. So I used to get asked in the past, you know, a lot, oh, are you by yourself? And I was very naive. And I'd be like, yes, you know, yeah, yeah. Which is something wrong. But now that I look back on it after traveling so much, I'm like, wait, why would someone ask me that? You know, it's not, it's really no one's business. And two, I don't have to answer. It's it's like, you know, why, why would I have to share that? So, um, I, I really don't, 
tell anyone I'm traveling alone. Um, I'm visiting a friend, I'm visiting, you know, the prime minister, I'm visiting someone if I, if I feel like I want to share, but usually I don't say I'm traveling alone. And, you know, I, I don't go out very late, late when I'm in a place alone, like a foreign country. I usually start early in the morning, plan my day. So those are just some of the, the things that I do. But, you know, definitely study, research, um, wherever you're going, especially if it's an international destination, you can register with the U.S. Embassy at the country that you're visiting. So the uh, U.S. State Department has a website where you can go. It's called the Enroll Program, and you can let the embassy know that you'll be in that country from this time to that time in case there may be like a natural disaster, let's say you know, worst case scenario, like an earthquake or something like that. Yeah. They're, they know that you're there and you can go to them. Maybe if you have to get out, for example, there's just many different scenarios. I've ever um, thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing I, I would recommend, and especially after like the last month, there was a lot of weather uh, related cancellations and, and flights. I would also recommend to look into travel insurance because sometimes travel insurance may help out with weather. And I'll, I know this because last year I was um, stuck in a blizzard in New York City and my flight was canceled because of the weather. So yeah. you just want to like make sure, you know, all your ducks are in a row in case weather or something, you know, like that happens. I also usually have a copy of my passport with me. So, you know, of course you put your, you know, your passport in a safe, let's say in your hotel, but I always have a copy with me as well, or I email it to myself. So I have a digital copy. These are just some things. And then I have a picture of mine in my phone. Yeah, that's good. And, And also like, especially when I'm traveling abroad on my carry on, I have all the important you know, if you have like medicines or if you have, you know, anything that's really important to you that you cannot lose or get, it gets damaged. If you can carry it in your carry on, carry it with you or pack it in your carry on. If you're going to a wedding, ladies, (laughs) if you're going to a beach, ladies, put your bikini, pack your bikini, pack your bridesmaid dress in your carry on. Cause you never know things happen with checked yeah. in luggage. That's another, and I and always try to avoid checking luggage in as much as possible. Yes. I've learned so. how to pack efficiently <laughs> and I'll not take everything in the world that I want. It's like, okay, I can wear this jeans and I can take five different shirts and have a different outfit with one pair of pants or, you know, like, oh, I can bring this. It's, you know, just I've discovered minimizing the bottoms and just bringing different shirts because it can make totally with the accessories and whatever, yeah. and when you do your hair, it can look like a totally different outfit anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just I didn't so even go nice. through all of my outfits when I was in New York in August, I, like, and I only took a carry on and I didn't even go through every single thing when I was in New York for a week. I'm going to give myself props for that. (laughs) That's amazing. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Props to you. And it's such an amazing feeling once the plane, you know, lands and you get off the jetway, just, you don't have to go through baggage claim and wait, you just go, you know, Yes. Yeah. And you're out. And so, and, and another thing, I mean, always have an emergency outfit in your carry on also. That's something I always say, because yeah. Yeah. If you are going to check in luggage. And I also like, especially certain countries, I try and wear closed-toed shoes as much as possible mm. because you just never know. I mean, I will always take a pair of sandals, 
I wear chunk less in the room anyways, you know, type of thing. But especially if you're going to walk a lot, I'm not somebody, I don't want to be walking in sandals all day. I don't want to be walking in chunk less all day. Well, depending on the chunk, I guess. But like, <laughs> I've just realized like in New York, I have a pair of Clark sandals that I got that are like super comfortable because they're designed nice. for that. And a pair of tennis shoes. Like, I think I took two pairs of shoes for the entire trip. Wow. I'm to girl. I'm telling you, I'm learning. That's you, amazing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, how many countries have you visited? So two years in 2021, uh, Turkey was my 61st country. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What has been your most memorable experience through all your travels? That's another amazing question. I'll say three experiences, three countries that I had an emotional beautiful reaction to where I just could not stop crying of pure tears of joy. So India, which is a journey to get to, you know, like 15, 16 hours, but I had always wanted to go to India. And then of course I went to Agra, which is where you see the Taj Mahal, saw the Taj Mahal and cried just the whole time. It was just such a beautiful, just like a landmark, but it took me back to being a young girl learning about it on, you know, you know, the history channel, the discovery channel. So it really was a moment. Um, same thing with, with Egypt, Cairo, Egypt, going to, you know, the pyramids and yeah. And seeing, and seeing the pyramids, feeling, touching the pyramid and then going inside, literally inside one of the pyramids, uh, the pyramids of Giza was incredible crying the whole time, pure tears of joy, you know, kind of like what my grandmother was having that experience at the Vatican was that experience for me in India, in Cairo, Egypt. And also another experience and country was Cuba, going to Cuba and, um, seeing Havana and going to Vinales, that experience felt like transporting me into like another time because there was all these like 1950 Chevrolets just driving around. And it was just, you know, such a, an incredible experience. Like I've never been to a country like Cuba and it was also my first communist country that I visited. So it was just an amazing experience at the locals. The people were so kind. So I would say India, Cuba and Egypt. <laughs> Nice. All places I want to visit. Yep. Okay. I was looking on your website and looking at all of these people that you have interviewed. Mm -hmm. And obviously, so you've, you've interviewed Samantha Brown. Mm -hmm. yeah. You've interviewed Adam Richman. And if people don't know who Adam Richman is, he was the first host of Man Versus Food. <laughs> I don't know how he's not 300 pounds, seriously. But obviously the one person who really sticks out. And I think that so many people really lean on for their cultural touchstone in regards to like, oh, he's going all these places and doing all these things as Anthony Bourdain. Mm, yes. Yeah. I was about to just ask, can you please like share that experience and what that meant for you? Yeah, absolutely. That to this day is one of the best moments in my life, really. So growing up watching, you know, the travel channel, he was one of the hosts that like opened my eyes to the world and, and just him being who he was really, I loved it. I loved who, who he was and how he showed me the world and how he found a connection between food, travel and people and shared their stories. And then, uh, later he moved to CNN. Um, so for me, I always followed him. I was a huge fan. So for some years I covered entertainment 
in Los Angeles, do red carpets and I would go to hosting school, then working. And so I had a full, you know, schedule. But I remember getting a press release about the Tribeca Film Festival that's in New York City every year. And I remember reading through the press release, you know, I get emails all the time. And then I saw his name on the, on the schedule for that, like that year. And I was like, wait, what? So he was a co-producer on a movie about a chef. And so CNN was like, I think part of that production. And so it was going to be the premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. So when I saw that, I was like, wait a second, he's going to do the red carpet. He's going to do Q and A after I was like, I must be there. Like I have to be there. Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity because as far as I remember, I didn't know if he did a lot of red carpets in my, you know, whenever I was there. In yeah, I don't remember him. Like, yeah, I think he would do a lot of like one-on-one interviews and he did a lot of interviews, but not as far as like red carpet. Yeah. So I remember just being like, okay, this is like a done deal. I'll just, you know, pitch the idea and they'll, they'll be like, yes. Right. No, <laughs> it was not like that at all. I had pitched, you know, different publications. I'm like, look, he's going to be here. Do you know how rare it is? Like, this is a movie about, you know, a chef and it's going to be a Tribeca, which is a huge film festival, like huge, right? I got like nine no's. And, and then maybe somebody would give up after the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. No, right? This is why, like, I always think determination pays off because I was like, okay, one way or the other, I will be there. Even if I have to just fly myself to New York City, buy myself a ticket and ask him during Q&A, that will be my plan B, you know, because I know how important it, important it was for me and how important it was, you know, a special moment for him to, to just in general, right? The moment I said that and I started looking into ways, I got a yes from a publication who I did uh, red carpets in LA. And I was like, great, you know, but I share that a lot because it's like, it wasn't just like, here you go. It was no, it was a lot of knows. But I think with me in general speaking, when I'm determined and my mindset on something, it's like, I will find a way or I will, I will try really, really hard. Like I'm very determined. And I think that is just, you know, and I'm very grateful that I did because, you know, I will always treasure that, that time. And I think, you know, you know, I did red carpets, interviews. I've interviewed celebrities, actors, musicians, etc. I never got starstruck, but with Anthony Day, I got starstruck. And I was on the line with reporters in New York City, and I was getting really nervous because he had arrived where the they do the photos first, and then each reporter maybe would get like thirty seconds because you have to like be quick, right? Because he's got a long line of reporters. And I remember just being so nervous and I'm sure I was blushing and they were like, <laughs> most of them were from New York, but you can go first. And I was like, okay, thank you. I just need to like do this because I'm just You're like, like, I need to get it over with because <laughs> anticipation is going to kill me. <laughs> really? I was freaked. And I remember when he arrived, he's so tall and so handsome. I mean, there were like three generations of women in my family from my mom to me to, you know, my cousins that were all had crushes on him. We're just like, oh, And so, yes, I remember that moment. I mean, we had like 20, 30 seconds, literally, but it was like amazing. And 
he bent down because he's, he was so tall. He bent down so I can ask him. I just had to say like, first, before I even ask anything, I just want to say, I'm, I am really, I thank you so much. I'm a huge fan. Like, I don't even think like he knew what an impact he had on my whole life slash trajectory. So many people's lives. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. But for me to just even tell him that one moment, I mean, <sighs> that's I, so cool. Yeah. So, so it will for sure. Um, and then I remember hearing the news when he passed, I had received so many text messages, like before I woke up or some, uh, I think I remember I was like, people were like, Tanette, we're so sorry to hear. I'm like, what is it? Cause he was so like, he was like such a role model. Like I looked up to him so much. I was like so many people just heartbroken and devastated. It was um, like you were saying earlier, it was just the way that he would bring the story and the way that he would connect people and mm-hmm. food and culture and with such reverence and respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, this is crap. This is, he was like, let's see what this is about. Oh my God. And it would get, he would get the stories as well. It yeah. wasn't just eating. He was getting the stories of why this was so important to a culture or why so important to this family and what makes what they do different. And it was just a way that he brought the world into people's homes that I don't, I don't know if anybody could ever do what he did in the way that he did it. And it did touch so many people. Yeah. There will I'm never so be happy anyone you like got him. those 30 seconds. With it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you wish it was more. I'm so happy that you got those 30 seconds with him. Yeah, no, I'm super grateful. And then we went and saw the premiere of the film. And then I did stay after for the Q&A, but the audience got to ask like a couple questions to him, the director, the chef, et cetera. And I just was like, just, yeah, I'm so super duper grateful. And, and that's just another, you know, lesson is like just determination. So like, and that can go for anything, you know, it's just yeah. like, you know, if you really, really, really want something, find a way or, you know, cause either one way or the other, I'd be there. I would be in the audience or I'd be in there. I just was not going to miss that. Yeah. I like how you talked about getting no's because I think so often we, there's so much lessons learned, more lessons learned in the no's than the yeses. And so I'm so glad you were sharing, like, I got no, I got no, I got no, I got no. When you hear no, and then then I'll ask my final question (laughs) because I want to be respectful of your time. I know you got to start getting packed and all this (laughs) things. When somebody tells you no, how does that make you feel? And when was a time that somebody told you no, that really kind of hurt? And you're Mm. like, Mm, I'm going to do this anyways. <laughs> yeah. And it's something universal that everyone has or will experience maybe, you know, to hear no. And I have definitely heard no. I've got rejection letters, um, you know, for different things from scholarships to internships to jobs. I've gone to auditions for hosting gigs. I've got no's. I've pitched ideas, got no's. Uh, one that really did hurt was when I was uh, a couple years ago, they were doing an open audition for the travel channel. And I went and stood in line for hours with so many people. And I was like, Oh, this is my, this is my opportunity to, to be the host for the travel channel, which has been since I was a young girl, right? My dream. And I went and I did my audition and no, it was a no, but you know, now in my thirties, I feel that, you know, this is where I think also it's great for self-development is I don't take now 
uh, rejection personally. Like I feel like, okay, it's just not the right opportunity or it's not the right, you know, et cetera. Um, but it doesn't, I don't base my worth on it anymore. And that took me a long time to, to get there, but it's important because in my early twenties and my twenties, whenever I got no's or rejections, I would take it so personally. I'm like, Oh, it's hard. I'd be like, Oh, it's because my something physical or it's because I'm not good enough. But you know what? I just, after a while I was like, okay, I just got to keep it moving. Like I, I would not want to spend more time dwelling on it now in my thirties, especially I just keep it moving. Okay. It's not the right time, not the right opportunity. I keep it moving. I keep it moving. And I think that is helping and has helped. And, um, it's something I tell my mentees too. It's like, you know, if I could tell my 20 year old self anything, it's just like, it's not personal. I really don't think it's just not worth, you know, it's not based on your worth or your value because later on, and I've seen this, I think Oprah has a great quote about this too. She says, um, rejection is just redirection. It's just because, and you'll hear, I like to see a lot of documentaries and and interviews from, for example, celebrities where they were like, I, I didn't get this role. I didn't get that. But then I got this and it was even better. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes things work out later and yeah. So I I take each, you know, rejection, try to learn a lesson. Okay. What is the lesson? If there is one, it's not the right time. It's not, you know, this. And then I just got to move on because honestly, it's like, there's so many more opportunities out there. And as you'll see, I'm a huge Oprah fan. <laughs> she also has another quote where she's like, there's no really luck in her words. She's like, luck is just when hard work meets opportunity. Yes. So keep, keep working hard because you never know what opportunities are around the corner. Um, and so, especially for me too, people are like, oh, you're just lucky. I'm like, no, it's not about luck. It's just work hard yeah, and not just work on the extrinsic, work on the intrinsic, work on yourself, work on that. That's where I think that is also the mindset. What do you think is possible? Are you like determination, consistency, you know, you're going to make excuses or you're going to make the effort because a lot of things aren't easy and aren't just, you know, but you keep doing it consistently, keep putting yourself out there, keep giving it a shot, you know, keep trying, keep moving, keep going. And, you know, I think eventually you get further than staying stuck, dwelling on, you know, what didn't happen. And you just, you know, that I think there's different ways to go about it, but what you tell yourself intrinsically, your mindset, your determination, all that is important, I think, in success, because I think that the successful people have that mindset that's like, possibility, opportunity. Okay. It didn't happen. There's more out there. Yeah. You know what? I don't even, I was going to ask something else, but I, I think that's a <laughs> wonderful place to end it because we, we talked about travel. We talked about perseverance. We talked about continuing like all of these things and you know how it all, it all just links together. And I think, um, travel is how you use your voice in regards to doing that. But regardless of what you do, ultimately everything that you were saying is true. It's about not giving up. And if there's something you want, you have to figure out a way to do it. And it's not, it's not easy. It's not always easy. In fact, the things that are worth the most, right. Are the things that you have to work hardest for and you end up appreciating it more. And I, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Jeanette, first of all, I want to say thank (laughs) you for, for coming on and for sharing your story. Thank you for continuing to like 
have words of encouragement for me on social media. I think we met on Clubhouse, right? Was it Clubhouse? Yeah. And we were part of Latina podcasters because yeah. I, I also had a podcast during the pandemic, which was about global conversations. And so, yeah, so we met through, through that and yeah. Yeah. And then we connected on social media. We have not met in person yet. <laughs> yes. we will. We're not very far from each other, but I, I will say like, you are so encouraging. Like when things happen, you're like, you got this. It's okay. Congratulations. Or, you know, like keep your head. Like, so I just want to say thank you so much Aww. for just being just a beautiful human it's been really nice to get to know you via social media and I can't wait till we can have a glass of wine together in person. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. For sure. <laughs> Thank we'll have you. to go do it overlooking the water, you know, I would love make that. It a big thing. We'll go to like Pelican Hill, you know, we'll go to the, yes, we're manifesting it right yes. now. I used Speak. to work for Irvine company. So I've gone out there. I used to work some afternoons out there and stuff, and it's so gorgeous. So, yes. Or yes, Monarch, no, I, what is it? Monarch Bay over there. Yes, there's so many gorgeous places. And you know, there was, I forgot to mention, there's a vineyard called Seja Vineyards. And, you know, my last name is Seja. Yes. And I, I, I was like, are we related? Do I own a vineyard? Just, I was just kidding. I mean, but I, yeah. So I know them. I know the Seha family. Yeah. So I looked at their website and I saw some traces or somebody was from Michoacan, which uh -huh. my dad, my dad was from Michoacan. I was like, oh my God, are we really? And I was just kidding. I was like, That's are funny. we related? I'll have, no. We'll have to do it. And if so, I'll introduce you to Amelia. I'll be like, Amelia, her name is Seha Tamien. She's so sweet. She's like this teeny tiny woman and Sweet and her daughter, Delia, so nice. Like, they're such a sweet family, such a nice family. Yeah, that's so nice. So they, I've been wanting to go there one day. So yeah, either there we'll go. or here. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah. <laughs> here, here or there, I would love, if anyone, I would love to have a glass of wine with you. <laughs> that's right. The expert. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your story and your time with with me and everybody listening. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was going to ask another question. You know what? I don't need to. That was just such a great way to end it. So thank you so much, Jeanette. And we will have a wine, glass of wine soon. Thank you. Cheers. Salud. Salud. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media, at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram, and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos!